When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Today, we are talking about acceptance and commitment therapy. Now, that may be a topic that you are unfamiliar with and you're like, wait, am I on the right podcast? Well, ACT is actually a part of applied behavior analysis. And today, we have Amy Cook, who is a BCBA of 15 years, giving us a great overview and intro into acceptance and commitment therapy. She goes through the six core processes of ACT and gives us some awesome, actionable tips and strategies that you can utilize in the classroom. Yep, you can be using these strategies right with your students. Um, So let's go ahead and jump right in. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Sasha. I am happy to have you here because we are touching on a topic that we have not touched on at all at the podcast, which is always fun for listeners. Today, you will be talking all about acceptance, commitment therapy, or ACT. So for people that this is brand new to, do you want to give an overview of what ACT is? Yes. So acceptance and commitment therapy is a behavior analytic approach to addressing socially significant behaviors. And the main focus is really increasing psychological flexibility. ACT examines both private events and overt behaviors. So dig into that a little bit, the overt events and private behaviors. So people that maybe don't have the behavior lingo down, what what does that mean? Yeah. So for those of you that are familiar with ABA, traditional ABA, we typically focus on those observable, measurable behaviors, the behaviors that we can see. 
Those are those overt behaviors. Our private events can be our thoughts, our feelings, behaviors that aren't um, as easy to measure. We can still do rating scales and we can set things up in order to measure them, but it's not going to be near as easy as looking at those overt behaviors. Yeah, that's what I love about ACT because, you know, as as in when I was in my getting my master's and learning about ABA and, you know, we look at all those measurable behaviors and all that, which is so important. But I kept thinking about like, well, what about our thoughts, right? Those are, those are behaviors too. Absolutely. Yes. I've been in the field of ABA for over 15 years and I always felt I've always been very passionate about the field and, and loved it, but I almost felt like there was a missing link. And it was about four years ago when I got really um, interested in ACT and really feel like it just kind of looks at the whole child. Yeah. Um, so what kind of, how does ABA and ACT fit together? Like, you know, you talked about it's based on similar principles. If someone were to ask you to maybe explain the differences or how, you know, do they work together? What would kind of your answer to that be? Yeah. So I would say they absolutely work together. ACT is a branch of behavior analysis. It does focus on changing and and measuring those overt behaviors while still acknowledging those private events or the things that we don't see. So I do think it's very important, especially if there's ever any behavior analyst listening to look into all behaviors in order to treat the whole child and there's actually recently Tarbox, Tarbox published a article in 2020 in ABAI that does a fantastic job where he ties the seven dimensions of ABA directly into ACT um, very nicely. So if anyone did, any listeners want to dig deeper into some literature on the topic, I think that would be a great article to look at. What types of you know, students or individuals or clients um, can ACT be utilized with? I think ACT can be really used... Um, with all students. There's going to be modifications depending on their ability, but I think it can be used um, within special ed as also general education from preschool to high school to college to even our young adult population. When I took a class on ACT in undergrad, I keep going back to my undergrad, or not undergrad, master's time um, now, I took a class on ACT and one of the first things we learned about was how we can set filters and how that like dictates, you know, our actions and, you know, how filters, you know, impact our thoughts. I'm probably kind of butchering all the language here because it's been a while, but that's still something that I talk about with my husband. I'll be like, you have a filter right now. And he's like, okay. Yeah, very, very much. <laughs> so, you know, looking at our, our classrooms and kind of, you know, giving this little introduction to act, what are some things, you know, teachers can do to utilize these principles in their classroom? Because I know a lot of teachers, do a really beautiful job of utilizing ABA principles in their classroom, but kind of taking it to that next level and maybe pulling from some of the ACT strategies. What are some ways they can tie that into their, you know, their practice as well? Absolutely. So ACT really utilizes six different core processes to increase that psychological flexibility. So if we have time, I'd love to kind of touch base on each one of those um, different principles. And those six core processes, they also make up what's called the hexaflex. So they're really kind of the the teaching strategies of ACT that teachers could certainly um, include in their classrooms. Yes, let's dig in. What is the first one? Okay, so the first one is values. So who and what is important to you or to your students? These are going to be excellent reinforcers. This is what's going to motivate our students. 
So looking at one example, if we're looking at, let's say, a kindergarten, first grade classroom, we could actually do a simple preference assessment just by looking at values. So maybe each student has a heart. They can draw pictures, write words about who and what is important to them. And then right there, we have our permanent product. We've got a preference assessment we can refer back to. So maybe later on that week, Sally is struggling with her how-to writing assignment. We could pull out that heart and we can say, oh, you know, her dog Dixie is really important to her. Maybe we can write a how-to about um, how to give Dixie a bath or how to take Dixie for a walk. So teachers can really use those values um, just like we would pair reinforcers. We can pair them with their um, values as well for novel tasks or difficult tasks. I love that example because that's, you know, exactly what you said. It's it's pairing, right? You're embedding reinforcement, something they love, something they value right into the activity. So we don't even need to add any, you know, contrived or external reinforcement because the activity itself is now more motivating and exciting. That's that's exactly right. All right. So what's number two? Okay, the next one, committed actions. These are our measurable goals that are going to bring our learners closer to their values. So it could be, a, they could be daily goals, they could be weekly or monthly. It's really going to depend on the age of the students. So maybe we have a student that really values soccer or plays an instrument after school, but they've been struggling to complete their classwork. So we can break down those assignments and make a realistic goal that they can achieve so that they can also have time for those, those after-school um, activities. So with our goals, we want to make sure that they are SMART goals, so specific, meaningful, attainable, realistic, and we, have, we set that time frame also. That's such an essential life skill, you know, goal setting that sometimes we don't directly teach in the classroom. Absolutely. And just a few things to think about when, when doing these committed actions with children. Um, we want to make it fun. We want to pair their interests. We want to have visuals so that they have a reminder. We want to keep it age appropriate. We can also utilize rating scales to explore emotions if we want to maybe have a committed action where they're looking at their feelings, but we want to make it more objective. Um, and we could even make something called an action plan, which is very similar to behavior contract, but based on, on the values to just kind of give them that visual guide and that tracking system to um, track their progress. Do you think you can start this process of goal setting with younger students as well? Absolutely. I would start with something simple and maybe a daily goal um, for the little ones. And you could kind of, the goals can get a little bit longer as our, as our learners um, get a little bit older. Great. Awesome. Okay. What's number three? Okay. Self as context. So the concept that you are not your thoughts, feelings, and experiences, your story does not define you. Students are evolving. They're learning. They're growing every day and that each day is a fresh start. So we know, especially um, with special ed, we can have behaviors, we can have challenging days, but it's very important. I think that, that the next day is a complete fresh start. And so with this, teachers can also model statements and they can do some role play activities. So instead of the idea of, um, you know, I am my feeling or my thought, it's I am observing or I am learning my feelings. I'm learning from these experiences. I'm aware of my thoughts and we'll talk in a little bit later. Another one is diffusion. So I'm aware of my thoughts and I can use diffusion techniques. It's the idea that your feelings are not fused with your identity. So the idea of a student saying, I am stupid. Instead, it's I'm feeling stupid right now, or my mind is feeling, or my brain is feeling right now. 
So um, just telling our, our students to be the real you and that they're not their thoughts and behavior. Yes. And the language we use, you know, around our kids is so important. They're listening and they're observing what we're doing. So when we make com- negative comments about ourselves like that, I think it's really important to, you know, rephrase them like you had said, but also reshaping what they're saying. Because yeah, like you said, if I'm stupid, you know, shaping that to be like, you know, remember, like that's, that's a thought you're having and you're not defined by that. Exactly. Very good. That's something a lot of, I feel like adults need to work on too, right? (laughs) Yes. All of act. Like I said, it's great for all ages. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. What's next? Okay. Diffusion. So diffusion is the idea of making distance from our thoughts, accepting the thought, but changing the function or the emotion. So um, teachers can practice different diffusion techniques together. So just an example. So the idea is, let's say, um, why don't you go ahead and give me an idea of something you think a student might be worried about? Any example? Oh, how about worried about the fire alarm going off? Oh, I love it. Okay. So we've got a student that is worried about the fire alarm going off and they're just thinking about that fire alarm and it's just kind of building the anxiety within them. So we could do an activity where we are going to simplify um, whatever that worry, whatever that discomfort is. So here we could just simply be the words fire alarm and we can sing it to a familiar tune. I have a horrible voice. So I'm not going <laughs> to sing for you. It could be to the tune of Oh My Darling or any, any silly song like that. And now we're not just saying we're not going to think about the fire alarm. We're actually accepting that thought, but we are changing the function. So instead of the fire alarm making us scared or worried, now by singing fire alarm to the tune of Oh My Darling, we might have a little one laughing. So they're still thinking about it, but it's kind of changed the, the feelings of that thought. Um, so that's just one example. Teachers can also model I notice statements. So similar, I notice that my brain is getting um, frustrated or I notice that I'm getting worried instead of the identity, similar to what we talked about with um, self as context. So um, noticing the feelings instead of it becoming I'm angry, I'm sad, uh, any of those. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I love that first example with the song because, you know, it's like when someone tells you don't think about that, what is the first thing you do, right? You think about it. Absolutely. Okay. What's number five? Okay. Five is acceptance. And this is honestly one of my favorite parts of ACT. I believe it normalizes 
worry, stress, discomfort, and provides realistic ways to manage these feelings. And so it's going to prevent the negative reinforcement, those escape behaviors where we might not really deal with the true problem, but we're just kind of avoiding it. So it acknowledges that pain and discomfort is a part of life. And so it's really just like you were saying, Sasha, it's the opposite of telling someone, just stop worrying about it. When someone is ruminating or perseverating on a worry, it's not very helpful to tell them, just stop thinking about it. It'll be fine. So it can actually make it worse. So right now, I want to tell the listeners to just stop thinking about the color red. Just stop (laughs) thinking about the color red. And I bet everybody is going to think about the color red. So it doesn't really help help our um, students. So instead, we can acknowledge and accept the worry and allow some discomfort. So I usually use a beach ball analogy with children, but I was actually laying in bed last night and thought of an activity that I have not used. <laughs> you can all use it and let me know how it goes. Um, but an activity to kind of help this, this is a pretty big concept for our, some of our little learners to understand. But what I was thinking about is if, if I could bring in an oversized um, helium balloon and I could have a really fun group project in the classroom, maybe we're going to do a mural and we've got all kinds of paint and glitter and fun things that the kiddos want to get their hands on. And I'm going to have one student that's going to volunteer and that big oversized helium balloon is going to be something they're worried about. So maybe they are worried about a soccer game after school, okay? And it's probably um, going to be something bigger than that, but we'll use just a simple example for this. And so that helium balloon is going to be the worry. It's going to be the thing that they are trying to suppress without going to talk to an adult about it um, that way. So by holding that balloon down, that worry is actually very close to them. It's up against their whole body. It's using their arms, their legs. They're not really, we can go ahead and even with that child say, go ahead, add some paint, add some glitter to the mural. Look how much fun it is. And they might be able to do a tiny bit, but it's going to be very difficult by keeping that balloon down. And so with acceptance, we're not saying that we're not going to... we're still validating the the feeling or the worry, you know? So we're Mm -hmm. saying, yes, it's okay that you are concerned about this, but we can let go of that balloon. It's still going to be in the room with us. There still might be a little worry or a little discomfort and it's okay to have discomfort, but look, now that balloon is actually further away from us and we have our hands, our arms, and we can join in the fun. So um, that could be one little activity to kind of show show the acceptance. The beach ball one is a similar idea of holding a, a beach ball underwater um, and not being able to, you know, letting it go, but it's still floating in the pool. So the idea of that it's okay to have discomfort and that we're not just going to completely get rid of these things, but that is kind of a normal part of life. But we can still use diffusion techniques and other strategies um, to make it distance and, and kind of manage these things. Yeah, I love the like visual, tactile nature of those activities of like physically holding a balloon or a beach ball and to really kind of experience that idea in a different way. Yes. So acceptance, it allows us to dig deeper, allows us to define the problem, analyze the data possibly, and come up with a plan. So a lot of times we can have our students can have these 
balloons or beach balls, and we're not aware of it. And it's really preventing them from moving forward in their academic task or their even social skills. And so by um, teaching them that it's okay to talk about these things and it's okay to reach out to an adult for help can really um, help with growth in the long run. Yeah. Even just that conversation can be such a light bulb moment for kids, you know, to be able to have someone that they could come to if needed. Yes. All right. And our last one. Okay. Our last one is present moment. And this is where we talk about the mindfulness. So being fully in touch without judgment or interference. So I think this would be every teacher's dream for every lesson to have all of their learners fully present and not concerned about the past or the future or anything else going on. So um, with this, we can help our students stay focused. We can teach them whole body listening skills. We can do sensory activities. We can do grounding um, exercises, mindful exercises. There's a lot of different ways to really work on that present moment. But I think it's important to realize that this is a skill that doesn't always come naturally. We do need to kind of set aside some, some time to do these activities, whether it's sensory play and we maybe even add a scent into the sensory bin and we can talk about what do we see, what are we touching, what can we smell, and really being fully present within that activity. Same thing with an art project or a nature walk. Um, those were all examples. Also breathing, breathing exercises can be great for mindfulness, but once again, with some of our learners, that's not going to be an easy thing for them to understand. If we say, you know, just take a deep breath, take three breaths. It's not going to be helpful to them in the moment, especially when they're worked up. Mm -hmm. So when they're calm, we could do breathing with visuals. Like maybe we have a, um, a special ed preschool student and we can have little um, pictures of flowers and candles and we can have them smell the flowers and blow out the birthday candles and making the breathing activity much more age appropriate and fun and, and able for them to understand with those visuals as well. Yeah. I love that example. You know, with, I, with activities like, you know, that you were talking about the different mindfulness activities, how often do you recommend you know, teachers work that into their day and, and kind of assess how students are doing with these different types of activities. Yeah. So at the elementary level, I would really recommend working on this on a daily basis. Even if it's five minutes a day, that five minutes is going to impact the whole day if they're able to be, you know, fully present in your lessons. Great question. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Cause yeah, I think sometimes we think, oh, we'll do this once, but you know, we want to have it be that consistent part of our schedule to be able to practice and improve. Yes. And that progress piece, how do we track progress with all of this? Excellent. So we still, if we are wearing our kind of behavior analyst hat or we're looking at those overt behaviors, we still want to be focused on, are we working on um, dysregulation skills? Are we working on being able to identify our emotions. So we're still going to have behavioral goals that are going to measure. These are just going to be supplemental strategies and pieces that are going to help us achieve those goals. Love that. This was such a thorough intro. I hope it like, you know, grabbed a lot of people's attention that this was something that is new to them. Um, what do you recommend for, you know, educators or parents that this is kind of a new concept and they want to learn more? What are your favorite kind of go-to ACT resources? Yeah, so 
all of the Stephen Hayes um, <laughs> is really the one that started ACT would be a great starting point. And I also really for whether they're teachers, behavior therapists, parents, it's great to really go through an ACT workbook yourself and understand those concepts and use it on yourself and then be able to use it with our little ones um, that way. So if you're already familiar with ACT and you're looking at more of a um, curriculum to work with students, the AIM, the Accept, Identify, and Move is a great curriculum um, for children based off of ACT and it's Mark Dixon um, has that curriculum. There's also, there was one other thing I was going to touch on. I forgot about. Sorry, I jumped to resources too quickly. (laughs) Just going back. So we talked about the six core um, processes, but there's one thing, the ACT matrix, that's also a great tool. It's a little hard to explain on a podcast. It would be a better thing for you to um, possibly read about or watch a YouTube video on. But the ACT matrix is really a great visual tool for one-on-one sessions. So maybe you do social skills Um, sessions or maybe with accommodations, you have some one-on-one time with your learners. It's a great way that really incorporates all of these six core processes and it kind of divides the matrix in half where the bottom part, we're looking at those private events and then the top half, we're looking at those um, overt behaviors. So that, that would be another kind of great way that it could be incorporated in the school setting, but probably more on a one-on-one basis. That's, that's a great recommendation. I will link to um, some information on that to kind of dig a little bit deeper. Um, What was, what's the title of Stephen Hayes's book? Um, Get out of your mind, get out of your mind and into your life. Is that the title? The workbook? Get out of your mind and into your, did you say life? Yes. Is that what it is? I'm like blanking on the title now. Yes. 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 It it has a really like attention grabbing title, but that workbook is, I, I love that suggestion to do it yourself. Um, and then you can kind of create activities and kind of go from there. But that workbook, I love. Yes, absolutely. That's a great one. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy. I think this was such a thorough overview and intro into ACT. And I love kind of all of these actionable strategies that, you know, that you gave. Because I think sometimes when we learn about something um, that can be a little bit more abstract or something that's so big, it's hard to really know where to get started with it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.